In this B-side episode, Filomeno S. Santa Ana III, co-founder and coordinator of the Action for Economic Reforms, explains to Business World reporter Bronte H. Laksamana why the Maharlika Wealth Fund is a bad idea. A bit of backgrounder here, several lawmakers recently filed a bill seeking to create a sovereign wealth fund backed by government agencies. Public outcry has been swift and loud and fierce, and the controversy surrounding the bill has forced its proponents to make amendments, such as the withdrawal of the social Security System, or SSS, and the Government Service Insurance System, or GSIS, as primary funders. Despite these amendments, critics like Mr. Santa Ana say that the fund should still be totally scrapped. Let's discuss the Maharlika Wealth Fund. So you've said before, even if the SSS and GSIS are no longer participating, it's still not consistent with the essence of what a sovereign wealth fund is. What are the key differences between the two? Let's start from the very beginning, as they say. SSS, GSIS, those concerns matter, but they do not constitute the core problem related to the Maharlika Fund. Part of the problem, but not the central problem. Them. And even withdrawing SSS, GIS from Maharlika won't address the central problem, which is this. First, we have to know what the Sovereign Wealth Fund is all about. The government claims that the Maharlika Wealth Fund is its version of a Sovereign Wealth Fund. Now, for a Sovereign Wealth Fund to exist, an essential feature is the sovereign or the country has a huge surplus or an excess. And so in other countries that have sovereign wealth funds, they do have either a surplus resulting from mineral resources, the extractive industries are booming and they're able to have a surplus that they can now use for the sovereign wealth fund. Or such countries have booming trade surpluses. Over the years, uh, these countries have been performing well well, in relation to trade, they have strong export performance consistently, resulting in a surplus. And the foreign exchange surplus arising from this becomes a part of the foreign exchange reserves. And that excess can be used. Sometimes excess can be a problem. In fact, when we say excess, it's a problem. So it's a question of how one manages the so-called excess. So that, that's what the SWF is all about, the, the Sovereign Wealth Fund. The question is, does the Philippines have the excess? Does the Philippines have a big surplus? The answer is no. We do have a surplus in our foreign exchange reserves. Our foreign exchange reserves now are quite comfortable, but the amount or the level of our foreign exchange reserves that we have is still insignificant, for example, compared with those countries with very, very big foreign exchange reserves. The difference is these countries, mainly in East Asia, have booming exports resulting in huge foreign exchange reserves. We, we don't have that. Our export performance is mediocre to say the least. Which brings now us to the second point. A government wants to have a fund but not coming from the surplus. We don't have that surplus. So where will government get the fund from existing institutions? So it's a question of transferring the resources from one pocket to another. 
The problem is these are institutions do not have the excess either. They, they might have their surpluses, but these surpluses are intended for other purposes. For example, GSIS and SSS, they have the resources, but those resources are not actually government's resources. They are the resources of the contributors of SSS and GSIS. But now it's it's a concession that they have withdrawn SSS and GSIS from the fund. But how about the other institutions that will participate? Land bank may have resources, but where should those resources be used? For this uh, wealth fund or for credit or investments in agriculture? That leads to what we call the trade-off. There's going to be a trade-off there. That also results in what economists call opportunity cost. It would be better for the resources to be, for land bank, for example, to be used for agriculture than for investing in other instruments. Besides, land bank and other institutions can do the investments. Let's say land bank has the money that it can set aside for growing the money. They, they can do that without need for a new corporation. Why create another corporation? Now, if there are constraints for, a, say, land bank or development bank from investing abroad, usually sovereign wealth fund is invested abroad. If there are constraints or if there are rules that constrain uh, these institutions from doing investments that can optimize their resources, then the answer is review the rules and change the rules of these corporations. Not transferring that kind of function to another corporation. We are creating a new corporation. Now, which leads us to this corporation. The problem is, assuming we need that corporation, based on my exposition, we really don't need it. First, it, it is inconsistent with the concept of SWF. And second, that corporation still does not know what it wants to do. Will it, will it be investing in long-term funds? Or will it be spending money for present infrastructure projects? That cannot be done simultaneously. Unless, of course, the idea is the funds will be used for certain projects that will require another company and the, the profits from that company will go to this uh, corporation. But then it, it becomes so messy. question is, even if we set up a dot corporation, even the, the government officials who want this fund do not know what to do with this corporation. Some are saying for infrastructure spending. Some are saying to grow the money. So which is which? And finally, you set up this corporation. Let's say they are now clear about a specific intention. But they form a corporation with bad rules, exempted from very important regulatory practices. We do have a law, for example, that requires government corporations. This corporation is going to be government-owned corporation, but the bill wants this government-owned corporation exempted from the oversight of the body that deals with government-owned corporations. And we already have experiences, a very controversial one, a very recent one, Parmali. What happened there? There was no oversight at all. So corruption wasn't able. Is that what we want? So we have all the reasons why this is really a bad law. Even if we set aside SSS, GSIS. Since it's very flawed as you pointed out, let's talk about the alternatives for funding that we need. There's the suggestion of making better use of our government-owned corporations that are already existing. So the question yes. is how profitable can these existing GOCCs be if we can't turn to a sovereign fund? Then we have to review each government-owned corporation. Some government-owned corporations are inefficient, others are efficient. Part of the review is these government-owned corporations also have their own specific mandates. And it is very possible that the original mandate might be in conflict with what this Maharlika Corporation wants. So your question actually assumes that government wants the resources 
for what? For funding government programs or for growing the money? If it's about growing the money, these corporations can make their own decisions. Why take away such functions from them? Another alternative is also improving taxation and turning to the undertaxed. So in your opinion, who or what exactly would that be? That's very correct. The previous administration had a fiscal consolidation program. The, the Department of Finance as an institution has a fiscal consolidation program. This was prepared by the previous administration. The, the former finance secretary was Carlos Dominguez and he submitted that fiscal consolidation program to the incoming administration. Why not just follow that? We can debate regarding particular ingredients or elements of the fiscal consolidation program, but I can say on the whole, it is a very sound program. We have different interventions that can be done in relation to tax reform. And I haven't even talked about that tax administration. So basically, there's still many things we can resort to before yeah. you know turning to such no, one. Even borrowing is okay. The, the problem with borrowing now, it, it has to be disciplined because of the higher level of debt yeah, arising from the pandemic. But for example, if the borrowing is for good infrastructure, that won't create a perception of debt unsustainability because the project itself can pay for the borrowing. Aside from the fact that so long as we have those reforms in place, the creditors and investors won't be worried. And we have a good credit rating at this time. So that's another instrument in your toolbox. It, it will not be the principal tool that we should use to get more financing, but it's part of the toolbox. Of course, the Sovereign Wealth Fund is part of the toolbox. We do not object to the Sovereign Wealth Fund per se. But the problem right now is, where's the money from the Sovereign Wealth Fund? Wala eh. We'll just be getting the, the resources from existing institutions. So it's really bad timing for our country to have such a fund. Yes. It's not only bad timing, right? But even the, the rules of the game for this corporation are unacceptable. It's been mentioned that an SWF has been tried to, they've tried to push for one in the past. Are you aware of this? Yes. And, yes. and how also fell through? Mm-hmm. Yes. There are different versions of the SWF and I have to study the different versions and probably they cannot be compared with this particular version. For example, it is possible to have a sovereign wealth fund but limited to the extractive industries. That's what countries like Norway are doing. They have the Sovereign Wealth Fund established for their extractive industries. We, we do have extractive industries, so the SWF can be used for in relation to our extractives. But to do that, we first must have a clear plan with clear objectives. That discussion is absent. Even our rules and policies relating to the extractives are very confusing. Now, another controversial item is the involvement of the BSP. So yeah, that's true. I agree. I fully yeah. agree. Okay. Can you contextualize how bad it would be for BSP to have its credibility and independence undermined? Now, the ideas floating are one, using the BSP's reserves. Two, using BSP's profits on the reserves. Yes, we have a comfortable level of reserves at this time. More than what the conventional thinking says. You have to have foreign exchange reserves that will be at least equivalent to three months 
13 months, 3 months, 4 months, we have more than that. But we are in a volatile situation. The world is volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous. There's a lot of volatility. We know that. And it's not only an abstract explanation. Right now, there's a lot of volatility. And so even if you have some level of comfort with our foreign exchange reserves, we must still build the reserves precisely because of a lot of volatility. The debt of many countries is rising. Global interest rates are increasing. So this is not the time to use the reserves. And besides, even the reserves we have, again, compared with countries like China, Taiwan, very insignificant. So why use the reserves then for this corporation? That's That can be a policy debate because it's possible. My thinking though is that at this time, it might not be the best way to do. So that's the thing about the reserves. About the uh, profits, the profits actually will be translated into dividends for the national government. So national government gets the dividends and it's up to the national government how to use the funds. It, it no longer requires the BSP participation. Having the BSP participate in this will lead to questions about its independence, its uh, credibility. Better to keep out the BSP from this mechanism. Anyhow, the dividends will go to the national government so we need not explicitly say that the PSP is part of this corporation. And it's up to the national government on how it wants to use the dividends it gets from BSP. Now, historically, the BSP has dealt with losses before, like in the early 90s. And how similar would you say is a risky situation of involving it in this fund to the losses it has faced before? And so the, the lesson here is especially in the Philippine context, in the Philippines setting when even supposedly independent institutions are getting politicized. It is better for us or for policymakers to insulate BSP, Banco Central, from the politics there. And if it's just a question of using the profits of BSP, no problem. The national government has all the discretion on how to use it. But don't involve BSP in the setting up of the Maharlika Fund. Uh, why say uh, 50% of BSP's dividends will be going to the Maharlika Fund? So that makes BSP accountable, right? Th that makes BSP part of the game. And it also creates conflict of interest because BSP is the regulator and it's also an owner. So keep the BSP out. What do you think should people keep in mind about this fund moving forward? Given how controversial it is, uh, given the bad provisions, uh, given that it is established that the fund is not consistent with the concept of the sovereign wealth fund, how come this is being created? And that leads to problems of trust. It also resurrects bad memories, which you also mentioned. We just cannot avoid being suspicious. It is understandable for people to think that some hanky-panky will happen, that this is going to be a vehicle for another parmali, but a parmali that is much, much bigger. This could have been avoided if government didn't introduce this idea. The government has realized how unpopular the bill is. It, it really faced a backlash. But it also shows how amateurish they are. <laughs> amateurish. That's how I'll, I'll say it. Now, I think they need a graceful exit. So they're now using the withdrawal of SSS and GSIS, uh, thinking that the people 
people will now be placated. Mm-hmm. So the challenge for government is to find a, a way out. They, they can scrap it, but they might feel that they they want a little, what do you call that? They don't want to be fully embarrassed by just fully retreating. So they have to find a way that will be acceptable to everyone. And that concludes another B-Side episode. Once again, you heard Filomeno S. Santa Ana III, co-founder and coordinator of the Action for Economic Reforms, talking to Business World reporter Bronte H. Laksamana about the Maharlika Wealth Fund. Mr. Santa Ana raised several red flags about the fund. First and foremost, he said that its premise is flawed, since a sovereign wealth fund solves the problem of excess, which the Philippines simply does not have, as so many have pointed out. This episode was recorded remotely on December 5, 2022. It was produced by Joseph Emmanuel L. Garcia and me, Samuel Marcelo. Thanks for listening.